Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity so i would think it means two things to me one it's always like an eye of the beholder so realize that it's okay to have a different view than somebody else two it's always being created and recreated uh i i think it means an openness to growth an openness to learning an openness to looking at what is masculinity in me and having curiosity about what parts are serving me and what parts maybe aren't serving me so well anymore. And so the art of masculinity is truly that. If you can master being a lion and a lamb, you've mastered masculinity. The art of masculinity to me means knowing how to gracefully dance between both the feminine flow and the structure of the masculine. This is the art of masculinity with your host, Johnny Elsasser. All right, everyone, welcome to the art of masculinity. Today's guest is Charles Clay, a friend of mine from the amazing community we have out of Austin. And just probably, man, you have this beautiful spirit in you. Like, I feel so much love from you when I come next to you. Every time I've seen you in Austin, it's like, I just feel that from you. It's really cool to experience. Ah, oh, thanks, brother. You spot it. You got it, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be here. I love that. Oh man, thank you for joining us today. This is going to be such a fun episode. I know just the human you are and the way that, you know, we can impact men today. So I'm really excited to dive in with you. Likewise. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I've been excited for this because, um, I've always enjoyed, you know, the, the bouts we've gotten to get, get to know each other a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to drop in deeper and, uh, share whatever golden nuggets want to be revealed. I'm, dude, there's going to be so many. Well, let's, uh, let's kick it off with the manly round. Are you ready for it? I'm actually, this is going to be exciting because you just dropped in with grandmother this last weekend. So that's going to be really good. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. All right, brother. Your first question is what is your spirit animal and why? Mm, great question. It is, uh, I have a few of them actually, but the, the one that I resonate with most right now is the Eagle. And, um, Ooh. The eagle is helps me. It helps remind me to see the big picture, and uh, and I have a a whole system I call visioneering, and it's literally a way of creating a future that your heart desires and experiencing it now, and it's uh, using the the eye of the eagle. So. Mm. I'm excited to dive into that because I know that's part of um, what I want to get to in this episode with you. So that's going to be really exciting to hear more about it. 
and Absolutely. the Eagle man. Yeah. That's beautiful, brother. Did you see, did you catch the Eagle in a vision or has it been something that's visited you recently? Yeah, it's been, um, through vision and connection with my father since, um, he has, since he has, um, moved on, you know, in, mm. in spirit. And, um, ever since then it's, it's like, uh, he's, he's got a deep connection to the Eagle that connects with me. And so it's mm. been, uh, been a beautiful way and reminder of communing. Mm, I love that, man. I love that. All right. Well, your next question is going to be really good because you just actually put on a talent show recently with some of your epic humans in Austin. So I'm interested to hear this one from you. What song, whenever you hear it, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, what song, whenever it comes on, do you just have to start singing along with? Great question. Man, there's so many of them. Um, it's that, that one song, I got a feeling that tonight's mm. going to be a good night. Oh, that, that song always gets me moving and, um, always has me singing along and, and there are many others too, but, um, yeah, it was such, such a gift to get to share a talent show on my birthday to celebrate, you know, 43 years young on this planet and just bring, there's so much talent in this community. I just wanted, I just saw the vision of a stage and letting everybody shine and share their gifts, talents, and passions. And what better way than a old school talent show in a new school way, you know, it was so fun, super entertaining. <laughs> That's so dope, man. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that was, I, I enjoyed being able to watch it via uh, Instagram and catch yeah. up with it. But that's so cool that you did that, brother. And that was a great uh, birthday gift for you from mm -hmm. the people that you know in Hold Deer in Austin. So that was absolutely. Cool. Oh, I love that. That's a good song, too, by the way. Um, your <laughs> next question, your next question is if you were a DJ, what would your DJ name be? Mm. DJ get some and by get some, I mean, get some of that vacation vibration. It's, it's, uh, that same electricity you feel when you hit enter on booking a flight and your soul just lights mm. up because you know, you've just opened the gates for novelty. That juicy electricity is, uh, would definitely come through in my DJ isms. <laughs> I love that, dude. It's like, it's being able to, you're like a, the DJ that gets everybody to feel like they're living every day as like a Saturday, right? That's it. That's it. You can choose Groundhog Day if you want, you know, and do the same things over and over and experience more of the same, but that's, that's not really why we're here. You know, we're on the cutting mm -hmm. edge of expansion and our souls just love novelty, you know? So why not incorporate more vacation vibration into our everyday lives? And even places, you know, the closest places to hell of, um, mm. you know, I got to move into Texas two years ago. I got to visit, uh, what some call the closest place to hell. You know what that is? No, the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, so the DMV, much like hospitals, it's these buildings that just have this low vibration, you know, that 
like people go in and all of a sudden it's like a bunch of zombies of just trying to go through the motions, waiting to get out of there. And instead I just set an intention before going in, set my reticular activation to something I want to feel creator experience. And so before going into the DMV, I set the intention of uh, having some fun and spreading some smiles for miles and sharing some laughs. And so I brought that energy into the DMV and it was amazing what happened. Like I dropped in on a meditation after I got my number and then uh, felt, felt into some like yoga poses in the DMV. You don't see that very often. And uh, that sparked up some conversations. And then the young guy next to me had a knee brace on and I asked him, you know, what happened? You've been kicking too much butt or what? And he, uh, he said, you know, I'm just dealing with this ACL injury and surgery I just had and all these things. I said, have you ever tried meditation for healing? And he's like, no. I said, yeah, it's the same, same thing that helped me find answers for healing my back. And uh, happy to share the same meditation I use. So, you know, gave him a nugget. And then um, that started conversations with other people. Next thing you know, there's like eight of us just dying, laughing in the DMV and having a blast. And it was like witnessing this ripple effect of, you know, zombies waking up. <laughs> even in the closest mm. place to hell. So it's just like, you know, if we find ourselves in hell, we're going to find a way to enjoy it, you know, and keep oh. moving through. I love that, man. And you're the perfect person to do that. And I love that that is an actual tangible kind of connection already right now, just in the start of this episode, already a tangible con connection of you setting and living by what you speak by setting an intention and literally carrying that energy into a place that doesn't see that energy, if ever, and you actually influence the people around you with that energy. That's so cool, man. Yeah, it's fun. It, it makes, uh, you know, even hospitals, you can go in there like Patch Adams, you know, that that old school mm. movie with Robin Williams. So great. Oh, yeah. And, and bring some light in there because it's needed most. Those are the places that need it most, you know. Mm, that's powerful, brother. Absolutely. Just like recently, we went to the Capitol here in Texas. You probably uh, got to see some of that, too, and uh, brought Harmonia. It basically, um, you know, about 100 of us went over and took over the Capitol for the day on two, 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 and uh, mm -hmm. got to drop in and anchor in just this deep love vibration of inclusion, hope, and inspiration for humanity and bringing it to where it was needed most. And then we all got to share uh, some profound gifts and did a, a deep meditation and, and uh, ohm in the dome. It was incredible. So another That's example. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Oh, so good. All right. We'll get to your last two so we can just rock and roll because this is like already things I want to dive into with you. Um, what is something, no matter who does it on the planet, the coolest person on the planet, what is an action that if even they did it, they would look ridiculous doing it? <laughs> um, even the coolest person is something that would make them look ridiculous too. Mm -hmm. um, you know... I'm going to go with cartwheels on this one. Like we tend, we tend to walk where we're going, but if we just did cartwheels everywhere we go, went, it would be this uh, level of ridiculousness that 
um, could be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> and, I'm just picturing the, people cartwheeling right? and talking with each other as they're cartwheeling. Right. And, and like running into each other. And, um, you know, what a great way to activate the inner child on your way to wherever you're going. Oh, so that, that was the first that. thing that came to me. <laughs> oh, I like, you got to trust the instincts, bro. Yep. That's the first one. That's what, that's what comes out. I love that. All right. Your last question. If you could pull a prank on any well-known person dead or alive. So you have the ability to time travel. Um, what or who would the prank be on and what would the prank be only if you know it if you're not like somebody that's extensive pranks or you may not have one off the top of your head but you'll at least know who it would be on wow this that's a great one um i think uh it would be fun to go back in time and um see if you could scare leonidas just give him a good, a good, a good, a good peekaboo. <laughs> you know, these guys, oh. Spartan warriors that, that just charge into battle with no fear of death, you know, yeah. getting, getting to go back in time and play a prank on seeing if there's any, any way to evoke that, that little, little tidbit of fear, uh, could be real could be a lot of fun i love that man that's good i'd also be terrified my head would be coming off but <laughs> yeah. know, just just on like yeah. accident right careful careful with that <laughs> prank for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so good bro i love that i love that that's probably one of my favorite ones just because there's a lot of uh if you were actually in human form to perform this prank on him, there's the high likelihood of an accidental death. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's risky. It's a risky prank for sure. <laughs> and oh, so and it could, you could become best friends right after too, which is, you know, the ultimate yeah. outcome. That would be my intention. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd for sure be like, bro, you had the balls to try to scare me. Let's like go hang out and have some mm -hmm. wine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hug it out. Yep. Oh, so and you, you got the Leonidas beard. So I think it, you inspired that, that answer actually. So I appreciate oh, that. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. So trying to embody. <laughs> it's working. Whatever you're doing, it's twerking, brother. I love it. <laughs> I love it, brother. Well, so let's dive in here for, for like, a little bit about who or where you came from to get where you are today. Cause you're an inner peace coach and a healer, you're a neurokinetic pain relief specialist and founder of freedom from pain, the inner peace process. Um, a lot of what you do is moving from that pain to purpose, you know, and healing, healing abandonment wounds, um, and going through a process that allows us to, to really find that power and ownership within us. But that wasn't always Charles Clay. Like what brought you to that point in your life now? Right. Yeah. You know, um, early on, as as many do, I uh, went through some really powerful initiations early on in life. Um, you know, I had just the most vivid, incredible memories with uh, my mom growing up, taking us to the beach. And that's when I fell in love with the ocean as my potion. And um mm. And yet she struggled with depression and uh, alcoholism. 
And so uh, my parents divorced when I was four and that memory was one of my first super vivid memories, you know, when she knelt down in her leather jacket, I could still smell the, the scent on her jacket and the color of lipstick she was wearing and told me that she was leaving and didn't know when we'd see her next. And so for a four-year-old, that was a lot to take the woman I love most. And um, luckily months later, you know, she met a new boyfriend and um, he's awesome. He's a cowboy and they moved to a small town in um, Preston, Washington. And so now dad was, you know, the hardcore disciplinarian, you know, bless his heart. And mom was like the freedom, enjoy, you know, all the things and exploring life. And so we loved um, being with mom, you know, that, that mm -hmm. time. And I remember my five-year-old man was like, just super inspirational and just brilliant. You know, I went and met my neighbors and one of them became a best friend. And I started a biker gang with, um, you know, like five of us guys, we were the scorpions and we would just cruise on our bikes and explore all this the woods and all the, the nature trails and everything. And then we had a, we even had like, um, you know, our own tree fort and, um, painted it up and all the things. So it was just this like vivid memories that I got to rejoice with early on in life. And then the initiation came, uh, not only through the divorce, but, um, when I was 10 years old, uh, my mom took her own life. And so that was just the most potent pain I'd experienced emotionally. And um, as a 10 year old, you know, it's just too much to handle. We don't have the tools. We're not taught how to grieve, you know, in school. And, and so it was, uh, you know, a lot of the old beliefs came up early on. Like I remember sitting at her funeral next to my brother and trying not to cry because I picked up this belief that men had to be strong and that we can't show weakness and, you know, tears are for girls and this kind of thing. Right. So that repressed emotion of sadness would haunt me for years. And, and it became, you know, through middle school, it was like a loose cannon. I was over acting, overreacting to a lot of things and getting fights and stuff for a period. And uh, I didn't like that, that side of myself. So I literally in eighth grade, we switched, uh, we moved and I got to recreate myself in a, a new town. And what an opportunity that was. I just flipped the switch and was like, I don't like dealing with these emotions. I don't like how I react to everything in that way. So I'm going to be stoic and control my emotions and, and nothing will bother me. And it literally was a game changer and an upgrade from where I was. And, and yet years went by and I noticed my body was just so tight, you know, workouts. I was, had the same reoccurring neck injuries showing up and tightness in my body and restricted movement and just this, these pain spots that kept showing up. And of course, you know, science-minded growing up, I went to all the, the therapies and, you know, Kairos and all the, the best, latest and greatest and all the things, but nothing really, um, you know, helped with the pain until um, it's always the last place you look, 
right? So the universe was giving me these feathers to make some changes and some adjustments. And I didn't pay attention to that. So that's like getting hit in the head with a brick, right? And that was mm -hmm. out graduating from college in uh, 2001 from Washington State with my degree in kinesiology because I've had this deep passion for the greatest technology on the planet, these human bodies, uh, these sensory suits Absolutely. that we get to enjoy for such a short time. And so that took me into, you know, building a career in personal training and health coaching. And, you know, I was taking on like 10 clients a day, just go, go, going, oh. living off coffee. And um, that had to be released. Like these emotions that I was hiding from were showing up in my body, getting highlighted as pain. And eventually it was like, you know, I was going out on the weekends and just partying and raging and, you know, and then during the week I'm training and teaching health. Right. So I was out of alignment. And so it was these bricks, you know, getting tossed at me from the universe of like, Hey, it's time to wake up and make some changes. And so I went to make some changes and kind of bounced off extremes for a while, like many do. And, um, and then eventually I um, found myself up in um, Mammoth Mountain on um, in 2008 with a couple buddies. And we were snowboarding in a full-on blizzard. There was snow coming every which way. And it was just crazy conditions. You could, the vision was terrible. It was like a complete whiteout. And we were already at the top and they closed down the lifts. So we're like, hey, yeah. looked at each other. We're like, well, let's just charge and stay low, be ready for anything. And, and it was a lot of fun um, halfway down the mountain until I took a jump that I didn't know was there. And I Ooh. felt like I was flying off a cliff. I had no idea where the ending was. Um, I'm just there, freak out and tense up. And bam, when I, sm when I smashed, it was right on my back and it felt like a lightning bolt had just hit my back. Like this was the most excruciating physical pain I'd ever experienced. And I'm yelling oh. to my friends, hoping they can hear me and help out but they'd already gone down in front of me i look at my phone my phone's dead and there's just snow coming in every which way and i'm, I'm stuck in the middle of this mountain in like a, a level 11 on a 10 scale of pain and Ooh. you know talk about leonidas that was the moment i had to channel that warrior archetype to just even click my board off and sit on it to slide down as far as I could and then keel over and take some deep breaths into the pain. And then I just kept going until I finally made it down the mountain and went to go see all these doctors because I was in such bad shape. And, you know, I, I didn't like what they had to tell me. They showed me these x-rays and MRIs showing how jacked up my spine was. And they were telling me that I would need surgery ASAP or I might never move the same again. So for someone that has deep admiration for these, these uh, vessels we get to live in, that was not what I wanted to hear. And even in a state of fight or flight, I was able to access my intuition and choose a different path. And I, I, chose, I chose the path of um, healing naturally and finding all means to, um, you know, go into the source of it and and healing it for myself and in that journey was 
crawling to the bathroom in so much pain when I finally got home and I'm by myself and had to just sit in a pool of all those emotions that I was hiding from the grief, shame of not even being able to stand up straight, let alone be productive and get to work. The fear of, will I ever move the same again? And just Mm. letting all of it come out, just tears were flowing. This, this, you know, pool of emotion and, and, on the other side of that was just incredible clarity. And I was able to set the intention for dropping into a meditation and being open to receive any answers to healing naturally. And during that meditation, it was even a a meditation, the same one I gave the guy in the DMV and it was by Abraham Hicks. And it's a a wellness meditation. This is back in the day. And and, uh, literally while in that meditation, a friend I hadn't talked to in over two years sent me a text during the meditation and said, Hey, I heard your back's in bad shape. Check out neurokinetic therapy, the work of David Weinstock. And I'm like, NKT, what is this? Boom, took mm. me down this huge rabbit hole and discovering just how everything's all interconnected, muscle testing to get answers from the body and understanding um, so much deeper with my background in kinesiology how to get answers from the body. And, and this inspired me to get my first session of NKT with his top student that was in San Diego at the time. And her name was Christina. And um, I walked in looking like Shakira stuck in a mid hip dance move. Like my hips were out to the left, my upper body's over to the right. I'm like a mess. And, and that was representative of how out of alignment I was with my purpose at that time. My body was showing that literally because this is a representation of our subconscious. And so going out on the weekends and overindulging in sex, drugs, and rock and roll while trying to teach health and fitness during the week was what got me to this, you know, the equivalent of getting hit by a Mack truck. And, Mm. and this is what cracked me open. And revealed so many gifts for me like it was so profound in one session she got me on the table and started testing muscles she tested my glutes and my glutes weren't firing and i was like what do you mean my glutes aren't firing i have huge glutes she said yep all form no function and she had a good sense of humor and and uh Uh, so she had me clench my jaw and then retested the glutes and all of a sudden they were back online for a second and I was like, wait a minute. So my body had just showed us that the neurological traffic jam was in my jaw, preventing the message signal to get to the big guns, the glutes to fire. And so wow. my jaw was compensating for my glutes and thus I couldn't stabilize my spine very well. Um, and a couple other of these compensation patterns we found, um, she, she was like, I know we just met, but I'm gonna have to go in your mouth. And she's putting these rubber gloves on. And I'm like, you're going to what? She said, yeah. I'm just going to release your jaw. You know, and it was so painful, but that opened up the neural pathway. And then all of a sudden my glutes are back online. She test. And so we wow. did this for a couple of muscle groups and I got off the table and I felt like 80, 90% better in one session. And I gave her a big hug oh. and I said, I'm coming to see you every week. I want to learn this. And I, Um, reached out to David Weinstock. I ended up taking all of his courses, studying under him, became a neurokinetic therapist and got to share these gifts and and open up my practice for uh, helping others. Wow. Even, you know, help others avoid 
um, and heal naturally. So they didn't have to get surgery when they felt like that was their last resort. And even those that had surgeries would come to me a lot with low back pain. And, um, and I would show them the same thing. We'd muscle test, get answers from their body and often find that, um, that scar tissue from the surgery is a neurological traffic jam. And so it would shut off certain muscle groups, oftentimes the intrinsic core muscles. And so this is a, a common one with, um, you know, C-sections and, and with women that, um, and, and so I show them once we figure that out, how to release the scar tissue and reactivate those muscles that were offline. And all of a sudden they're stabilizing the spine again and, and everything's firing on all cylinders. Once we restore function, then there's no need for the check engine light, which is pain. So mm. seeing pain in that sense was like, wow, the intensity of the pain was how bad I needed to change my path in life and something needs to change. So oftentimes we're pretty good about, you know, our car light check engine light goes on up. Well, all right. I better take it in and change something, get serviced. Right. Well, how come we're not so good at that with our bodies? You know, we oftentimes like yeah. that check engine light pain shows up and we just allow the mind's band-aids of, you know, take pills, numb it out, alcohol, you know, uh, Netflix, Instagram, just seek some pleasure to get away from this pain when pain is energy and energy is information there to show us something. So um, this improved my whole relationship with pain, understanding it as a teacher. And, um, and I've got to help many people in that regard um, on their healing journey. And, and so it's been um, super profound gifts. That's beautiful, brother. Um, so I already like, there's one thing here, very prominent in my life. And I know, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are veterans and police officers and para, uh, paramedics and stuff that guys coming from high intensity lifestyles that are probably, I'm drinking the same thing, bro. <laughs> feel, feel free. <laughs> yeah, brother. This so is good. so good. Got it. Um, <laughs> Cheers. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, but there's so many of the guys that listen to this and I, I can already hear them in my head. Cause it's part of my story too, is, is, you know, we don't look at our pain as a check engine light. We look at it as, Oh, I did this in my life. So that's, that's what I get for doing that. And then I have to live with that. Well, how can, and then I'll have, this will be a two-part question, but sure. how can we get guys first to start shifting that mindset to say that you don't have to live with that pain, that you can actually heal this naturally. Yeah. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, um, I ask people that that come to me and want to work with me that are dealing with pain, do you want to heal this? And it seems like a really simple question, but it's really important because some people aren't ready. The the pain creates a story and the story mm. perpetuates some sort of payoff. And it might be that mm. they're used to getting attention or love or support in that way because of that thing right and so it's an important question to begin and then on our journey together i'm just reminding them that you are your own greatest healer you know you are your own hero through this journey and and yeah you know you can always follow your intuition to gaining you know who you resonate with that can be a support system on that journey and 
it's just beautiful to be able to offer these tools that I've gained from learning the hard way through this path to helping people avoid some big landmines, you know, and like learn an easier way, a path, a roadmap that, that is to going into it, you know, like, and, and in doing this, yeah, it takes courage and it's, and it can bring up some fear and, but it also improves your relationship with your body and, Mm -hmm. and that connection with the body and mind. And, and so there are some amazing gifts to be revealed in that. And so knowing that even this is feels so uncomfortable and so painful, yet I know that it's happening for me and through me, not to me is a huge Mm -hmm. transformation in itself because then we're letting go, we begin letting go of the victim story that so many people hold on to of like, why is this happening to me? And I've been there and that can just perpetuate the experience of suffering, right? When Mm -hmm. there is an easier path through, when we set that intention to show me how this is happening for me, what are the lessons and blessings that I can gain from this? And then going deeper into it to understand, you know, pain is, is energy and energy is information. What is my body sharing with me? What needs to change in my body? And so this level of self-inquiry can begin and you begin revealing new layers, um, you know, and, and another huge part of what I share in my work is three components to pain that a lot of people um, don't look at or aren't familiar with or don't address. And one of them is the metaphysics. And this is, you know, the thoughts we think, uh, what, what we're telling ourselves, how we speak, we're all casting spells with our words. And so this plays a huge role into how our body and our cells are responding, right? Second is the emotional component. And so emotions are energy in motion and boy, they get stuck within us when we try to resist them just like with me, with the grief, right? And so I'll share a little bit more about that story because um, I gained so many lessons and blessings through that experience of grief, but it took me so long to find my tears. And the third one is the physiological aspects. And that's what I address with the NKT and also with some um, other self-healing practices as well, like um, self-reflexology. This helps us tune into Uh, the intelligence already within us in each and every cell and the organ systems to see where needs support. Because if we get somebody tuned up, tapped in, turned on all those muscles firing that were offline, but they had an issue with their liver that needs support. And this, this will come clear from this self-reflexology practice. Then um, oftentimes those muscles will still shut off again and they'll go back to their, um, their same dysfunction, right? Until the underlying thing is addressed. And so the physiological aspect is, you know, that it's like our bodies work from the inside out. The organs take precedent over our, you know, musculoskeletal system, peripheral parts of our body. So it's just fascinating when, um, you know, we put all this together and people learn so much by addressing these three key factors with pain. And then then they don't need to fear it as much because there's answers coming, right? They're, they're receiving answers and understanding more about themselves. And they're on this journey of self-discovery, which can be really exciting because then it reveals more of their gifts and their talents and their lessons and blessings that you can then share with others to help them on their journey. And so 
uh, we each bring that unique medicine to, to earth. And it's usually fear that keeps us playing small from sharing it. And, um, and you know, when you try not to share those gifts, those God-given gifts that you're sent here with to share, that gets really uncomfortable. Like even your comfort zone of playing small gets really uncomfortable over time because we're here to share that. We're here to help one another, be those puzzle pieces for one another on the big picture. We're all in this together. And so, um, yeah, it's been fascinating. I mean, I can, I can even share a little bit more about my journey with grief because I feel like that one is one that a lot of people have just been trained to avoid, you know, trained to, um, to mask, to use the mind's band-aids to avoid. And, and, um, so for me, you know, I went from that finally letting myself feel, and then realizing that level of clarity underneath those emotions that I decided instead of always trying to feel good, um, which I had a million biohacks to do right in the moment. I could, yeah, yeah, breath work and all these cool things that allow me to feel good in the moment temporarily. Yet, instead of always trying to feel good, I allowed myself to feel more and go even deeper into, mm-hmm. you know, these energies that have been trapped, like trapped emotions within myself. And each one of them that I sat with, including loneliness, grief, I found gold in the depths of them and so what did you, know, you do to feel more so um let's let's use uh the example of loneliness right so when i decided point in my life to stop dating for a while and um, take some time to get really clear on ultimately what i wanted because i started seeing the same patterns you know i was dating a lot of these like beautiful damsels in distress you might say um, that we would have these incredible experiences together, but it's short-lived. And I was really honest with them and that I always kind of had a foot out the door. And so it wasn't ultimately what I wanted in a relationship. And, and so taking space from it allowed me to see what was underneath all that, that, that pattern and that story. And man, it's super uncomfortable. I sat there and my mind just watched this uncomfortable feeling of loneliness and was like, hurry, go hop on Netflix and escape from it. You know, just go get some coffee, go in the fridge. You can stuff it with something. Just call somebody. You don't have to sit with this. And instead I just witnessed all of that. And I was like, thanks for the band-aids mind. I'm going to sit with this even longer. And I just continued to sit in that like fire of uncomfortableness. And then it ended up moving. It's like whatever we resist just persists, but whatever we feel, we can heal as it dissolves. And in that, underneath that loneliness was this huge realization and a pot of gold of like, wow, I'm finally sitting with myself. I can't remember the last time I've done this without needing something or, and so it created this inspiration of like, man, I have no distractions right now this is beautiful. And I actually enjoy my own company. So it helped me pull out this list of ideas that I've had, you know, like programs I want to create ways of helping people and inspirational um, ideas that have come to me that I've just sat with for so long and not done anything with. And so now was that time and the bottom of loneliness was like, of course, 
I get to get, it's time to get to work on this. And that was the same message that anxiety had for me too. When I invited that in for tea, instead of pushing it away, it had the same message. It was like, yeah, uh, get to work. You have, you've gotten some amazing downloads. You've got some incredible projects to, to work on, to create some programs that can help a lot of people. And what are you doing? Every time I was getting further from that and consuming more, I was getting further from that path of purpose and sharing those gifts. It would get more and more uncomfortable. The anxiety, the loneliness would amplify and get even more intense. And so understanding that and sitting with it was gold because Mm. I appreciated it. It was like, thank you. And now whenever I experience, you know, uh, loneliness, I don't fear it at all. I'm like, I'm familiar with this. And, and um, it's a chance to, um, find what inspiration lies under it. Same thing with anxiety. You know, I, I, whenever I get a small bout of it, it's like, oh, okay, you're right. I've been consuming too much. It's time to get back to creating. I'm a creator. So mm. are you, we're all creators. And we're like, we get too worried about, oh man, it's going to be judged if I put this out there, or if I share this message on my heart, like I'm going to get rejected. And all these little fears are like so minor compared to my biggest fear which is deathbed regrets. Man, when our time's up, when our time's up, man, I've been so close to death in my life with my loved ones that I've, it's allowed me to fully live life so that I don't have deathbed regrets. Like that's my biggest fear. And that is a healthy fear that Mm -hmm. keeps the fire lit and keeps inspiring me to stay on this path of purpose. And you know, when you're on it, because even if you're just impacting one person and helping them through something, it is this deep level of long-term fulfillment that is so much more profound than any short-term band-aid or gratification that the mind can provide externally, right? And so that path to purpose, you know when you're on it because it's exciting. You just keep following your highest excitement, your joy, and then you're your emotions can become literally a navigational system. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, it was like, I learned this, it took me so long to find my tears after that old belief system of like, man, I'm a guy can't show weakness, all this silliness. And eventually, you know, my dad gave me a call one day and, um, this was like five years ago. And he said, I could tell by his voice, you know, right off the bat, I was like, oh man, something happened. And he said, you know, I just left the doctor's office and got some bad news. And I said, what'd they say, dad? And he said, they diagnosed me with stage four cancer and said, I have four months to live. Mm. And I chose really wisely my words. I said, dad, do you want to beat this? Do you want to live? And he said, you're damn right. I do. I said, good. Then don't listen to a word. Those doctors said, we're going to get you on everything. That's already curing cancer in so many lives, including the Gerson Institute protocol, you know, green juices, cutting out all the sugars and the things that are creating cancer. We got him on infrared saunas in his home. We got him on uh, ozone therapy. And he was so into it. I taught him how to do coffee enemas. And all of a sudden he's like the ultimate biohacker. 
you know, and he's ordering new subs online and, and, um, and just had this new found inspiration to, to beat this and, and to live. And so we had, um, I mean, there were like so many victories. There were times when he got back from tests and found that there was the cancer was gone and we would celebrate wow. and I, I'd fly in and, you know, we'd get to have a party. And, and, um, so we literally turned four months into two years. And in that two wow. years, I got to really share everything on my heart with him. Like I didn't hold back anything. I've already lost my mom when I was 10. I got to share with him like, you know, and this is when we were teenagers, we used to butt heads. There wasn't a lot of hugs and I love you's going on, you know? And so this was yeah. a huge evolution and, and I'll never forget, you know, sitting next to him and I knew it was close to time, you know? Um, I remember just having my hand on his shoulder and our friend was singing on the guitar and playing this song called let it flow. And I just let the tears fall like more than I ever had in the past, like just ugly cry. Like I'd never been seen by anyone before and just let it all fall and went deep into that sorrow and that grief and found gold there. I was just like, man, to be able to express through liquid emotion, how much he means to me and for him to get to witness that. And ironically, that was what he couldn't feel. He couldn't feel the grief from losing his dad and all his losses. And it became why he smoked in Chinese medicine. We know lungs are associated with grief. And so lung mm -hmm. cancer, of course. So for him to witness me in that and just see, you know, how much he means to me, how much I love him. And then, you know, it wasn't long after I'm holding his hand on his, his deathbed and we're all around him. And, um, and I knew he was in so much pain. His body was just like, and this is my hero, right? Like six, five, you know, big guy and such an epic storyteller and visioneer and, and just like knew how to get the vigor out of life. And now his body was just ready. And, and um, I said, dad, we love you so much. We'll always be with you. And where you're going is so beautiful. It's so peaceful. And the reason I could say that with full conviction is because I've been called to the toad medicine, 5-MEO. And I got a mm -hmm. glimpse of what it's like to be outside of these bodies again, to be everything and nothing. And it was so blissful that I could share that with him. And the last thing I said was, you know, you don't need to fight anymore. And he literally took his last breath after those words. And I felt his life leave his body. And I'll never forget, like, that was such a gift to us. Mm. And to get to mm. help him through that, that process. And it's been profound. Like, I feel him with us, you know, more than ever now. And, um, that was something that came through recently in a medicine ceremony was my mom shared with me like in spirit that 
she said, I want to be with you through it all. And I knew I couldn't do that facing my own demon. She was like, it was so hard. I, she took her own life so that she could be with me through it all mm. in wow. spirit. And that just was like what the medicine my heart needed to mm. hear. And I've been so at peace with her and just knowing she's an angel. My father's, you know, the, the Eagle, um, looking out for us. And, um, so it's just been this, this deep initiations with loss and with death of the ones that I love that have really allowed me to fully live life, you know, and as a father yeah. now, whew, it is, it is so profound how every day I see Sophia, my little girl, and she's mm, my greatest she's inspiration. So she is amazing, you know, just coming through straight from source, just teaching us, you know, and she has yeah. been my greatest inspiration to continue taking my own medicine, to continue mm. um, taking my own inner peace process, the same thing that I share to alchemize and to release these old generational wounds and programs that are no longer needed. And by me doing that every time, going into that uncomfortable feeling, into the pain and resolving it from the source for myself, that's one less generational wound that needs to be carried on to her. Mm, and it's, yeah. well, that's, that's what inspires powerful, me most. Mm. That's powerful. And yeah. there's so much in that story and what you've learned mm -hmm. that guys are going to be able to take with them. And I think part of this is also you really identifying that inner peace process within you that you've had to really massage and cultivate to, to live your life the way that you do to be this man right. that you are today. And so when we talk about this, um, can you share with guys like maybe one or two tangible things that maybe they can start today or tomorrow to venture down this path of that inner peace to gain that awareness of who they are, but also that connectivity with their bodies so they can fully understand who they are and how to live this world in all that. Absolutely. You know, it's those trapped emotions and the stories raveled with them that become those internal blocks that keep us stuck in life. Mm -hmm. And anytime where we have a heart's desire, a goal that we're working towards something, but our actions, those are those self-sabotaging behaviors that keep us stuck. Anytime that's going on when our actions aren't in alignment with our heart's desires, there's always a subconscious negative belief running and some, some stories tied into it. So the inner peace process is a beautiful way of going straight to the source of that. And naming the emotion can be super profound in itself. And a lot of people even dodge that. They're like, what are you feeling? Well, I just feel like crap. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. and, and what's under that? You know, and so really going into just naming it, it's almost as silly as like a fart or a belch. You're letting it out of you, you know, much better already just to let this out because it's no longer in harmony with your system. You know, it wants to be released. And, you know, as souls, we signed up for the full spectrum of emotions. So we don't get to escape them, you know, so we might as well go into it, feel it, understand how it's happening for us 
what can we discover about ourselves and what are the lessons and blessings? And when you turn that lens on of curiosity going into it, it's easier to sit with those uncomfortable emotions, name it, see where it's showing up in your body. That gives you clues as to, you know, where it's showing up in your body is giving you hints as to um, how it's happening for you. So if it's showing up in the solar plexus or the throat, even, you know, where are you not declaring your truth? Where are you not speaking your truth or your boundaries? Or um, where are you tolerating things that your soul no longer wants to tolerate, right? So mm. these all give you clues. And then, and then giving permission for our bodies to release it, fully dance with grief, fully dance with anger. Like, what is it that my body needs to move this? How does it want? It's like giving your body permission to get out of here into your body and just let it move in any way that it wants to. Is it tears falling? Awesome. Is it, um, you know, snot coming out of your nose? Great. Is it, you need to, you know, punch something or break something? Amazing. Honor that. And oftentimes people will get that far and they're like, oh yeah, I should do that. And then they don't. And then it stays stuck as issues in their tissues. And then just take something as simple as a guy like cutting you off in traffic. And all of a sudden that rage and volcano is erupting again. And every time we're repressing these emotions, guess who it usually ends up on unintentionally, the ones we love, right? The mm -hmm. projections, the we're short with the ones we love or, or just get snippy, you know, or like impatient and then uh, yelling outbursts and say things that we don't mean while we're, in the storm of these emotions, where when we deal with the emotions first, then we can come into some intelligent conversations. And so when we try to go into, you know, battle, when we're in an emotional state, it's like the gloves come on, the defenses come up, and, and it's like we're in a boxing match or who's right or who's wrong. And not a lot of communication going on there, right? So an example of this would be, you know, my wife and I, if I'm holding a lot and I'm holding space for her and um, normally I can hold that down and be, you know, not take things personally, just be here, be there for her through her experience, of whatever emotions coming up. But sometimes I'm not, I'm human too, you know, and I get tipped off my center and, and I'll share. I'm like, listen, I have some a volcano of anger coming up right now. I'm feeling super triggered and it's right here in my solar plexus. It feels like a Python and I need to go release this. And I don't want it coming out at you. And I don't want it coming out at our girls. So I'll go into the next room and just unleash the hounds and like punch the, you know, guest bed a hundred times if I need to and, and cuss or whatever needs to come out to, until the point of exhaustion and that's giving my body permission to release what was coming up instead of trying to push it back down and and that allows me to come back to the conversation and actually hold space and hold an intelligent conversation and see you know what's going on in her experience and begin to understand what she's going through um, without taking it so personally and so it's just one quick example um, of, you know, how I deal with those situations and what I teach. And, and when we deal with the emotions, it's so profound, you know, how much more in depth and how much more intimacy we can experience and level of connection with our loved ones, because we take ownership of that.
pointing mm-hmm. the finger of blame. You made me angry. You did this to me. And it's like literally pointing to where we're giving our power away, you know? And yeah. then there's always these fingers pointing back to where the source of that's coming from. So um, I would say one of the greatest skills, tools to have as an evolving human being is the ability to identify negative subconscious beliefs and to release them Mm -hmm. because this Mm -hmm. is what holds people back. This is what keeps sidelining people into self-sabotaging behaviors. And so when we go to the source of them, where that story started in the first place, and that's, what's so beautiful about the inner peace process is once you name the emotion, notice where it's showing up in your body and give your body permission to express it. Then we can go into, okay, where was the first time you experienced this? And there's a very familiar, you know, flavor of anger that the first time we experienced that was like the most intense because we didn't know what to do with that. And so a younger version of us creates a story or makes some decisions about ourselves through that. You know, for me, the classic abandonment wound, when my mom and dad got divorced and she left, it was like, oh my God, my mom's leaving. The woman I love the most is I'm not even worthy of love. I'm not worthy of keeping love in my life and love has to always equal pain. These are the stories that were created as a four-year-old dealing with that. We think it's our fault. So we take that on. And that was what, you know, it took me so long to unravel until I developed this inner peace process. And, you know, it was, I fumbled and, and it was ugly and, uh, you know, wasn't a smooth journey, but I learned the hard way to teach an easier way. And it's so profound because then you get to reparent and get to be there for those versions of ourselves, you know, like checking in with that four-year-old and seeing, you know, what he needs, you know, what, what does he need? What kind of love support and safety does he need? Cause that's where it's needed most is what will be highlighted through this process. And just to be held, you know, know that he's supported through it and that he's not alone. And then, and then we can begin to invite him out of that experience and into the present and everything that we've created up along the way. And he's excited about that. And then when I check on him now, he's like, instead of arms crossed and wants nothing to do with me because he felt abandoned, rightfully so. Now he's like, at our old art table at that house showing me like what he's excited to create and that's boom 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 like everything's just activated this new level of liberation and freedom within me because i've gone to the source of that released the story and created a better one you know we we get to rewrite these stories to what's actually true and um in that process it's profound what happens like the all across uh, the board, the results vary, but I can just share with you that a lot of dreams come true after we release these inner yeah. blocks. And for me, that was being able to get super clear and call in my queen and, um, and get yeah. to create a family and, and have beautiful children. We have another one on the way. And so, you know, that the house we literally visioneered years ago, we're living in it right now. And, and, um, you know, we listen, it's, it's incredible. And so it's such a mm. gift to get to share this with others and see as they release these blocks, what dreams come true for them. And, um, so yeah. it's really deeply fulfilling work and play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it connects, it connects so much between what it is that we can create in our lives 
and move past these blocks that are holding us back, but also tied back into what you were talking about earlier with pain that we hold or the fact that we're seeing reoccurring negative processes in our lives. Like you're addressing all that because you're, you're identifying the root instead of band-aiding a problem. And right. I think there's so much power in that and not only power for us to gain autonomy over our lives and sovereignty, but also power in the fact that we're getting to embrace ourselves wholly as opposed to always holding something back. And I love that you've identified that in so many different ways with how your life has gone, but also with what you teach nowadays. And into that, I want you to share with everybody you know, where can they find you? How can they get part of what you're putting out in the world today? Because you have, you know, you have a lot of these great programs, you have the inner peace process, you have the stuff that's moving people through abandonment to purpose. So share with them how they can be part of your community, how they can get into your ecosystem, how they can consume Charles Clay. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love to connect. Um, CharlesClay.coach is the website that's being upgraded right now. So there's going to be a lot more um, offerings there as well as charlesclay.coach on Instagram. So keep it super simple. That's an easy way to connect with me and just shoot me a DM if any of this resonates. If you have any questions, if you want to go deeper into experiencing the inner peace process, um, go on an eight-week journey um, or a VIP weekend immersion retreat. I mean, those are where I've witnessed the most incredible transformations and um so yeah, if any of that resonates or you're even stuck in procrastination and you know you have some gifts to share, but you keep getting stuck with these procrastination habits, there's literally a program for that, the laser focus method. And that's up online right now. And um, it's low hanging fruit, an easy way to, you know, visioneer your future and share some of those gifts and, and um, reap all the benefits of that. And so it's a, it's a fun one feel free to reach out. And if uh, inner peace process resonates with you, just shoot me a DM with IPP or the laser focus method. And I'm happy to give a, a discount for listeners. And, and I'm also, um, you know, as spaces is open here and there, I'm also offering um, 15 minute support calls for people that are going through something or that resonate with this work and want to dive deeper. Um, we can hop on a quick call and see if and how I can support you. And even if I can't, there is a plethora of resources that we have to send you in the right direction. And so, um, you know, as space is available, I'm, I'm happy to support in that way too. Mm. Mm -hmm. I love that brother. And everybody listening as always, just remember to check the show notes. All of this stuff mm -hmm. that Charles is talking about is going to be in the show notes for you guys to have access to him. And I highly recommend getting into the laser focus method, getting into the inner peace you know, find that for yourself because there's no more power in this world, in my opinion, than really being connected with your mind, body, and spirit and knowing that you can be your own alchemist instead Absolutely. of having to rely on other people. Yes. I love that, and brother. The, the greatest thing you can do for the planet is heal yourself and use these tools. Mm. And inner peace is our natural state. So it's worth honoring and learning from anything in the way of that. So mm. appreciate this time that, getting to drop in with you and um, it's been a blast. Absolutely. Well, you got, you got one more question before, 
before I let you get on with your day mm -hmm. and go back to seeing your beautiful family. And your last question is, what does the art of masculinity mean to you? The art of masculinity to me is just that in sharing your gifts, sharing your God-given gifts, your medicine, the uniqueness that you bring to this planet to help others. It's like, I think about how you can contribute to the expansion of consciousness by sharing your gifts. And that mm -hmm. to me is the, the balance between the masculine and the feminine within us. It's receiving the inspiration and then taking inspired action and sharing those gifts. Yeah, that's an art for sure. <laughs> I love that brother. Oh, so beautifully said. Such a poetic human being. I love you, man. Thank you for being on the show. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom, your growth, your development, and your, your heart with everybody that listens. So I appreciate you. It's an honor, brother. Thank you. As always, everybody, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. Until next time.